This program is paid for by Advocacy United. All opinions or statements expressed on this program are solely those of Advocacy United or its guests and do not reflect the views of WPHT or Odyssey. Today's program is pre-recorded. Consider a career with the International Brotherhood of Boilermakers. As a Boilermaker apprentice, you'll earn while you learn. We offer excellent wages and benefits. And as part of our no-cost, hands-on apprenticeship program, you'll learn from the best in state-of-the-art training centers and on the job. Become a union Boilermaker and get on your way to a great career. Visit Boilermakers.org or call 844-IBB-WELD. And guess where this additional billion gallons of biofuel is going to come from? It's going to come from abroad. That's not an American first energy policy. We're in this together. Labor's in this. Building trades are in this. Refiners are in this. American consumers need us to do this too. Now across the Jacob Media Network, welcome to the Labor and Energy Show special. Exclusively presented by the PBF Energy Paulsboro Refinery and the PBF Delaware City Refinery in collaboration with the labor unions that build our communities. If you fix this RINs issue, you're looking at a reduction of 25 to 30 cents a gallon. This is the Labor and Energy Show, bringing labor leaders, national experts, and political influencers together to educate you about fancy terms like RINs and Reggie, while explaining the truth about energy independence. Welcome to the Labor and Energy Show with J. Doc and Krause. It's another edition of the Labor and Energy Show with J. Doc and Krause. We thank you for tuning in. Got another good show, J. Doc. I seem to be repetitive when I say that, but every week, uh, as part of the Labor and Energy Show, it's almost like building blocks. We continue to lay out educational information so our listeners and our viewers across the Jacob Media Network can consume and more importantly, also understand so they can make a valid or a lot, to use your word, a logical understanding or a logical decision about what we're talking about. Exactly, Joe. And, and uh so today's show is part of our end of the year specials, and uh, we've we've uh, uh, you know we've talked about it many times um, the importance of our labor leadership, um, which makes our region uh, the number one uh, labor union region in the country. And so today's broadcast, the first part of our broadcast, we're going to be bringing in Bill Sproul, okay? And Bill's no stranger to the broadcast; he's the executive. Secretary Treasurer of the Eastern Atlantic States Regional Council of Carpenters. Okay, and and I'll tell you, Joe, um, this is going to be an awesome segment. You you talk about um, you know expanding the scope of a union. Okay, when you think of carpenters, just a regular person walking down the street, you think of uh, you know sawing, you know, uh, and 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 working with wood and and putting up frames and all kinds of stuff. Um, that would be, you know, stereotypical, you would think, right? Nothing could be further from the truth than when it comes to our Carpenters Union. Uh, there are so many trades that is a part of, of their union. And let me tell you something, the expansion and the expanding of the scope of their work. I mean, we're going to be talking to, to Bill Sproul about um, the Carpenters Dive School and heavy construction. Okay, they're a big part of our energy sector work, both traditional and renewables. They have radiation technology specialists talking about, um, you know, and, and that goes from the operation and decommissioning of nuclear power plants. Uh, you know, it just it's unbelievable. And you talk about the education, okay, that, that, that you get when you go to, we talk about our apprentice programs all the time. Uh, this is going to be an incredible segment. And then followed by Mike Karlovich, uh, and, and of course, he is the vice president of corporate communications for PBF Energy, which is such a big part of our broadcast. Uh, Mike is, is going to talk about PBF. Uh, he's going to talk about everything that goes on there for people that may or may not understand what happens in our refineries. Uh, additionally, um, you know, talking about a lot of things going on around the country, energy security and energy poverty. Um, a lot of the shots that our traditional energy sector has been unfairly and constantly taking uh, situations across the country. So uh, this, and he's also going to introduce something called industrial nodes, which I can't wait to hear about. So um, going to be an awesome show, Joe. Can't wait. 
Yeah, we'll get started right away. A lot of content, a lot of ground to cover. This is the Labor and Energy Show with J-Doc and Krause. PBF Energy wants you to know hidden RIN costs are adding almost 30 cents to every gallon at the pump and pushing independent American refineries to the brink. It doesn't have to be this way. President Biden can lower gas prices and protect thousands of union refinery jobs by fixing the renewable fuel standard. And he should. Visit fuelingusjobs.com slash take action to urge President Biden to stop the RIN sanity and fix the renewable fuel standard today. Operating engineers are the men and women that move mountains. And the Engineers Labor Employer Cooperative, ELEC, puts them to work. They create opportunities for the men, women, and union signatory contractors of Local 825, repaving our roads, keeping our homes bright and warm, and even building our favorite team stadium. We understand infrastructure. That's why ELEC and Local 825 are ready to get to work. Buying a car is a big decision. Makes, models, colors, cost. But soon enough, the government is going to make that decision for you. Delaware and New Jersey are on a collision course to ban the sale of new gas-powered cars. In 2035, you'll have no choice but to buy an electric vehicle in those states. Tell Governor Carney and Governor Murphy to stop the EV mandate and let drivers decide. Portions of tonight's Labor and Energy Special are presented by PBF Energy and supported by members of the labor union community, a collaborative to educate the public and change the narrative. Right, welcome back, everyone, uh, to the Labor and Energy Show with J. Doc and Krause on the Jacob Media Network. Uh, we've got a fantastic broadcast. Like I said in, in the first segment, um, you, you know, we, we, we have the opportunity to bring one of our, 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 our premier labor leaders on the program. And uh, we, I've said it many times, okay? One of the main reasons our region is the number one union region in America is our outstanding labor leadership. And Bill Sproul is, is, uh, represents that standard. Uh, and, and so I'm ecstatic to bring on to the program Bill Sproul, uh, Executive Secretary Treasurer, Eastern Atlantic States Regional Council of Carpenters. Bill, welcome to the show. Well, thank you so much, J. Doc, for that wonderful introduction. And it's it's certainly my pleasure on behalf of our membership at Eastern Atlantic States to be a part of the show this morning. So and it's 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 great to have you. And and if you would, because I have to say I, I'm so excited. You know, stereotypically, we grow up and when you think about a carpenter, you think about, you know, wood framing and wood and, and everything that's wood, you know, nailing saw and all those. Let me say this, and I mean this in a compliment. This is not your granddaddy's union, okay? Uh, this, when you talk about, uh, you know, the, the, the carpenters union in America, uh, it is incredibly diverse in, in the number of trades and skills that you represent. Um, if you would, Bill, give our listeners a, 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 an example um, and an idea of the amount of trades and skills you represent. Absolutely, Jay Doc. You know, it's it's interesting. When I first started in the apprenticeship 34 years ago, you know, coming from the roofers, uh, you know, and then getting into the carpenters, when I when I started out on commercial uh, construction projects with metal studs and doors, frames, hardware, ceilings, um, you know, like you said, it's the best kept secret. There's so much jurisdiction that comes and falls under the carpenters and the trade autonomy. So. You know, people don't imagine, uh, there's folks out there that don't even realize that when a high-rise concrete structure is going up, that there's quite a bit of carpenters involved in that particular project, you know, along with iron workers and laborers and masons and and operating engineers. But our trade, uh, you know, we start in the the holes when we're doing heavy foundation work with our pile drivers. and then at the end of the job, we're, we're putting the door locks on, our floor layers or installing flooring, uh, ceiling tiles, uh, you, you name it. I mean, the trade is, uh, they say basically like on a, a regular style commercial building, the carpenters probably do about 45 to 50% of the work that's on that type of a project. And a perfect example would be a hospital or a higher education facility. Now, obviously, on the industrial side, uh, which we're focused on a lot on this particular show, 
uh, our bread and butter is is the concrete and the foundations and any any structural concrete that has to be done, as well as the scaffolds that have to be erected and dismantled so that all the other trades can safely access uh, a lot of those big units and a lot of the big industrial stuff that occurs when they uh, in the petrochemical industries and things of that nature. So people don't realize, you know, we have pile drivers, we have uh, under our pile drivers, we actually do underwater diving, underwater construction, welding, things of that nature, well, as well as the I, traditional stuff with the cabinetry and the custom carpentry that uh, people envision carpenters doing. Well, it's interesting because I, you know, so being in the trades years ago, I think we, I, I was working at um, a, a UPS building and we were eating lunch together, the carpenters and the ironworkers. And um, I, one of the guys showed me his card. You're talking millwrights, cabinet makers, floor layers. Okay, we're going to get into the uh, to the energy sector stuff, but it's such an amazing trade. Okay, and the education, uh, you know, is is so advanced. Okay, and we talk and what a couple of things we're going to talk about the scope of work. We talk about our labor leadership. Okay, um, taking it to the next level where we're growing our industries. Okay, and and that's why I'm so excited about this. Um, let's talk. Okay, about your energy sector, uh, you know, work and workers, um, certainly in traditional, you know, you, you know, you mentioned obviously concrete, you know, the forms, uh, you know, and, and, and when you're working with concrete, when you're working with the high rise structures, but when you're working in the energy sector with both traditionally and the renewables, okay, you've expanded your, your, your scope of work exponentially. And you just mentioned something. And as I was doing, my research, um, and we're going to talk about the apprentice program because this all stuff all goes hand in hand. But let's talk about the dive school and the heavy construction, okay? Because this is unbelievable. This is what I was referring to, Bill, when I was saying, you know, stereotypically, you know, carpenters are a huge part of, uh, you know, any building project. But this takes the cake. Talk about this part of your your your, your work. Okay, well, the, the dive school is something that we had been looking for an opportunity to have one for many years, uh, at least the five years that I've been uh, the executive secretary treasurer. And this goes beyond that when I was a regional manager and, and the president of our former regional council. We take our specialty crafts very, very seriously. They, they have to have the same training up to standards with uh, the traditional carpentry trades. So we, we wanted to have something for our pile drivers where we could uh, learn marine construction techniques, safety, as well as teach and create certified underwater divers to work in the construction industry. And all up and down the Delaware River Basin or the coast or anywhere for that matter in the United States, when you look at infrastructure, there is always work going on that's going to require divers. And there's not a whole lot of them out there in the United States, perhaps maybe a couple of thousand of them, you know, from coast to coast. But we needed an opportunity. Uh, basically, the training for those guys would be folks that are already certified divers, perhaps people coming out of the military, coming out of the Navy, the Coast Guard, and things of that nature. But we wanted to be able to provide training as well as provide an apprenticeship standard for divers, but also cross-train them to be pile drivers and dock builders as well. That way, if there isn't any particular work in the water at any given time, these individuals have the skill sets to be uh, certified divers as well as construction professionals on land and in the water. And we hit a home run in Sicklerville a couple of years ago and I'm proud to say that we just got all of our certifications and we have our first class that started in September and it's a four month class. So the individuals that are in there right now, there's 12 of them, uh, they basically have to put their lives on pause for four months, September through uh, the next couple of weeks here before they can graduate as certified divers through our program and then become apprentices in the pile drivers local here, local 474. 
Now, some of the individuals are already journey persons, but they've just always aspired to be divers. And perhaps maybe they were recreational divers, but now they're getting soup to nuts training. And, uh, you know, we'll have to have you guys come over and check out uh, the training center and the curriculum because it's really fascinating. There's so much that goes into it. And there's so many things that you have to be concerned about regarding safety when yeah. you're running a, an operation that has underwater divers working on one of your construction sites. And I'll just, uh, I'll end with this thought. Uh, here's a project that's a perfect example. Uh, as we speak, there's a job going on right now where the Delaware Memorial Bridge, the actual abutments that were put in in the 50s when the bridge was built, is getting reinforced now so that the next generation of ocean ships that are bringing in freight and, and shipping containers, God forbid they were to hit the base of that particular bridge, they could really disrupt uh, our infrastructure and our transportation for a long time if, if we had to shut down one of our major bridges on the Delaware River. So there's a project right now, I believe it's about $40 million. And I would imagine that uh, at some point there's going to be divers going into water to do either some inspection work or, or actually even some some welding or cutting and burning and things of that nature for this project to uh, move forward successfully. Bill, Bill, you know, we got to do a separate show just on this because it's it's literally just incredible. I'm just thinking about the whole the whole process, the education, the school. Um, certainly a specialty. One of the things with renewables coming into the market, it's so important for our labor unions, okay, to be trained, to be, you know, uh, you know, I, I, I think as I was doing my research on that, uh, we, 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 we talk about, you know, uh, dealing with the offshore wind industry. And the fact of the matter is people just automatically assume that, you know, a lot of the renewable jobs are going to be union, Okay and are not are going to be organized and it's so important for our leadership to have the foresight um to be organized in that industry and be qualified to to, to handle any area of it so just absolutely fantastic and you mentioned uh, you know the importance of health and safety my god health and safety um in those areas obviously paramount um let's touch on the radiation technologist specialists um, when it comes to nuclear power plants, another area of, uh, you know, of work that the carpenters are uh, obviously, you know, at, at the forefront of. Talk about that. Absolutely, Joe. Uh, with the nuclear rad techs, it's kind of a, a group that's out there now where we've got about 300 of them organized into our union. And we're hoping that there's going to be more and more folks that specialize in that part of the industry that would like to join up. We're actually creating a, uh, a system at like that. That type of work has been very nomadic. And a lot of those folks have not been represented by unions. So an example would be, OK, I'm going to go up to Michigan and work for uh, three years on a decommissioning project and they need uh, 50, 75 radiation technicians. They do all the monitoring within the plant, you know, whether the plant is operational and, and there's shutdowns and things like that going on. Or a lot of these plants, unfortunately, are, are being decommissioned. And, you know, that's going to be almost the next chapter of renewable energy in the nuclear world, what's going to happen on those particular sites. But a perfect example nearby would be, uh, you know, Three Mile Island or the uh, Oyster Creek uh, nuclear power plant over in Lacey Township. Uh, both are undergoing decommissioning. Um, traditionally, the carpenter's jurisdiction was limited in those sites to uh, scaffold erection, dismantling, general conditions, safety, things of that nature. But with the rad techs coming on board, we feel as though uh, we can represent those folks, provide them with a secure benefit package, uh, area standards, you know, for the commensurate to their skill set. There's many different levels of a radiation technician, and it, it takes a lot of schooling in order to, to get to the highest levels. But right now we're in the process of putting together a training program 
for those individuals and and looking at the future of this industry because a lot of the nuclear power plants are going to be coming down over the next couple of decades but the good news is that they're going to replace those sites with other forms of energy whether it's micro reactor technology which still requires quite a bit of construction for the trades they're just not as big as as a uh, traditional nuclear power plant that we know of I believe the last one down in Georgia cost over 22 or 24 billion dollars to build. So, you know, those kinds of price tags right now are, are making it unappealing, you know, for, for new power plants to go up. And then there's a lot of controversy over the spent fuel rods and things like that. And, you know, it's it's a great form of energy. And, and I think we're in the process right now in our lifetime seeing a transformation. We've got nuclear power plants coming down. Uh, there's talk of other types of energy, whether it's hydrogen, hydrogen or whether it's, right. you know, the micro reactors and things of that nature, other types of renewables, solar and, and obviously wind turbines. Uh, who knows? We might even see, uh, you know, I really like those uh, gas fired power plants that we put up a few years back. Those jobs cost between 750 million to a billion dollars. And what I'm told, uh, they pay for themselves in two years. But we've kind of seen that kind of get sidetracked a little bit. And there's a lot of talk about all this other technology. So, you know, I'm a proponent of all forms of energy, whether it be the traditional fossil fuels right on up to, you know, the offshore wind. And I think for our country to succeed and for us to continue to create jobs and try to do things that will be better for the environment, we have to have a variety because we're not just going to flick a switch and nobody's going to be running, you know, gasoline engines anymore. And Absolutely. we're not going to have enough uh, battery charging stations for an entire city like Philadelphia for everyone who drives their own vehicles to be able to charge vehicles. So I, there's going to be a balance. And it's, it's very, very interesting. And I'm excited about what the outcomes might be. But to be honest, uh, there's just a lot of opportunity wherever this ends up going in the next 10 to 20 years, buddy. And, and I'll tell you what, I mean, the vision that the leadership of the Carpenters um, has and, 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 you know, progressing with technology, it's vital in our industry to be able to man those jobs. And, and the fact of the matter is, it's so refreshing. Um, we're going to kind of spitfire because we only have four minutes. And I got to tell you, you know, um, you know, it, it, it's so impressive that we're going to, you know, uh, we're, we're going to go blow right through this. But our apprenticeships, okay, such the life's blood of, of what we do, okay, uh, educating the future, okay, for all these new areas uh, that the union is going into. Uh, we don't have a lot of time, but just talk about the education, the value of the education, and the importance uh, of our apprenticeships uh, as our lifeblood in the union community. You got it, Joe. Um our, our education process and our training centers, we, we call it earn as you learn. And, you know, I have a son right now that's going to school over at St. Joe's for finance. And, uh, you know, I, I'm hoping he's going to do very, very well and succeed. But for people that aren't uh, college bound and want to work in the trades, you can make great money, great benefits, and, and you can earn as you learn. And that's what our training centers do whether it's pile drivers, carpentry, you had mentioned millwrights, uh, you know, there's turbines everywhere, whether it's going to be the ones that we're going to see off the coast, you know, even though that has a little bit of a setback happening now, or they're gas-fired turbines, steam, it, you know, there's millwrights have been working on turbines, you know, since the millwrights were basically invented. That is a very comprehensive apprentice program that we have that's going to certainly uh, bear some fruit for individuals that want to get into this energy sector and have jobs well, well into the future with regards to energy. And we just keep coming up with ways to enhance our programs, uh, get more mock-ups and things of that nature that will help our apprentices uh, learn real-life uh, skill sets, and pretty much so when they're in the classroom, uh, they're almost on the job site as well. It can't just be all about books and book work and mathematics and things of that nature. That's important, 
but you also have to have a real good hands-on training program and real good hands-on on-the-job training happening uh, throughout their apprenticeship. And you mentioned earn as you learn. And the great thing about uh, the education and, and, and the apprentice uh, program is there's no debt when you come out. That, that the union pays for it. Okay, so it's not a government program. And it's taught by the actual members of the union. Okay, it's the best kept secret on the planet. And, you know, it, it, you know and, and I think you guys have, and I'm taking a look at it, um, the Eastern uh, Atlantic States Carpenter Technical College. So people are coming out of the Carpenter's apprentice programs with actual uh, college credits and an associate's degree. I mean, you know, it's, it's, it's for anybody who's not going to college, and like you said, it's not an option. It's an opportunity in a career um, with wages and retirement and benefits unprecedented. Before we go, uh, Bill, we talk a little politics, and we've talked a little bit about the importance uh, of politics when it comes to our labor community, because as we say, the importance of being at the table, not being on the menu. Talk about Steve Sweeney for governor. Well, I was proud to come out and, and announce our support for Steve as governor. You know, he did a, uh, a wonderful video that came out on Monday with his announcement. And I got to tell you, Steve is going to make a hell of a governor. He is, uh, per, first of all, project labor agreements wouldn't have happened 20-some years ago if it wasn't for Steve Sweeney. And how many union tradesmen uh, living and working in New Jersey make their living off of projects that have project labor agreements. Steve's one of the architects of project labor agreements. He's also been a, a stalwart fighter for working people in all different types of occupations. And he's a seasoned veteran politician that knows how to negotiate and knows how to bargain with the other side. So when you look at the candidates right now who've announced and then who the potential candidates are, you know, I just think that, man, if Steve Sweeney becomes the next governor in New Jersey, it's going to be a really good uh, time for the trades as well as for working people and for apprenticeship programs and, and things of that nature. And it's so important because for the first time in decades, OK, you know, unions, when it, the opinion, public opinion on unions is, is through the roof. And of course, we know Steve and big supporters of, of Steve and his run for governor. As we as we roll out, Bill, uh, it's the holiday season. I know giving back's uh, real important to our labor community and the carpenters. Um, yeah, any, any any sentiments uh, to our to your members and to the general public as we embark upon Christmas and the new year? Yes, sir, Doc. I, I want to wish you, your family, your staff at the at the show a wonderful holiday season, as well as all of our membership all the tradesmen in the region and, and all the folks out there that listen to the show, regardless of what you do. I mean, every occupation out there that makes this region go around is extremely, extremely important. You know, whether you're police officers, firemen, uh, teachers, uh, construction personnel in the trades. I mean, I can go on and on and on. Truck drivers, nurses, doctors. I, I mean, everybody plays a role and we should all try to figure out a way to stick together and help one another. And, you know, if you want to help young people succeed in an industry that has a great future, think about sending your, your sons, your daughters, your nephews, your nieces to apprenticeships within the unions. Because uh, as my shirt says here on this side, build union. You know, I got a tattoo on the other side here that has a, the Carpenters logo and uh, I'm kind of dyed in the wool. But uh, it was the best thing that I ever did was join an apprenticeship. And I want to wish all the viewers here on your show uh, Merry Christmas, Happy Hanukkah, Kwanzaa, whatever, whatever they celebrate and look forward to a very healthy and prosperous 2024. Bill Sprawl, Executive Secretary, Treasurer, EAS Carpenters. Thanks so much for being on the program. And by the way, you, and the sentiments right back to you, my friend, and everybody in the in the Carpenters uh, organization uh, and membership. And also, thank you for helping us make this program uh, a reality and to help educate the public on, on what we do. Thanks so much, Bill. 
You got it, Jay Doc. Our pleasure, buddy. Talk to you soon, my man. You got it. We'll have more Thank labor you. and energy show with Jay Doc and Krause in just a minute. What's a boilermaker? We're the skilled welders, riggers, and craftspeople who will help you grow your competitive edge. We step up when others step back, and we do the job right, on time, on budget, and safely. No drama, just results every time. We're the International Brotherhood of Boilermakers, and everything we do begins with our bond. Let's get to work together. Visit bestintrade.com. Neuter Integrated Multicraft Contractors has been a force since 1896. That's right, 1896. And specializes in welding, piping, mechanical, structural, constructability reviews, project management, and rigging design services. For a free consultation, call Neuter at 314-421-7600. Neuter proudly serves petroleum refining, chemical processing, power generation, and alternative energy. Get in touch with Neuter at 314-421-7600. The Eastern Atlantic States Regional Council of Carpenters is proud to present skilled union workers, including the workers that build and maintain our energy infrastructure. The safest, best trained, and most productive carpenters in the country are on the job. Whether it's energy from nuclear, wind, coal, natural gas, or offshore wind, the EAS carpenters are ready to provide the construction need of an energy industry our families depend on. If you're interested in a job in construction, visit EASCarpenters.org or follow us on social at EAS Carpenters. This program is paid for by Advocacy United. Today's program is pre-recorded. Portions of tonight's Labor and Energy Special are being supported by the members of the Labor Union Community, including Steamfitters Local 420, Jim Snell, Business Manager, the Eastern Atlantic States Regional Council of Carpenters, and the United Steelworkers. Welcome everyone back to the Labor and Energy Show with Jay Doc and Krause. Uh, We are across the Jacob Media Network. Uh, and we're ecstatic to bring into the program Michael Karlovic, uh, a, a Vice President of Corporate Communications, PBF Energy. Mike, how are you, sir? Doing well, thanks, Jay Doc. How about you? Cannot complain. Uh, awesome broadcast. And I will say this to our listener base. Uh, Mike and, and PBF Energy uh, hold a special place in, in our hearts here at the broadcast. Uh, Brendan Williams uh, is actually co-produces the broadcast every week. And um, certainly, the, you know, the impact that PBF and Mike and Brendan and everybody at, uh, at, at the organization um, have put their, uh, you know, footprint on this broadcast and, and, and achieving our goal of educating uh, the public and our policymakers on common sense and energy. And let me kind of introduce Mike. Um, like I said, he's the vice president of strategic communications for PBF Energy, recently celebrated his 50th year in the refinery industry. By the way, when you look at Mike, that doesn't look possible. Must have started when you're three years old, Mike. Um, he, he started out working as a boilermaker for Exxon at the Bayway Refinery in New Jersey and was a union steward for seven of those years. He spent five years working in various human resources roles and for the past 30 years has been doing community and government relations with an emphasis on economic development. Great to have you on the broadcast, Mike. Pleasure to be back, uh, J Doc. Thanks for having me. It's a it's a pleasure. So let's talk about PBF Energy, um, it, it, you know, and the state of the company. Talk about you know the primary function of PBF Energy. Well, effectively, we are a refining company, meaning that we take crude oil, we buy it from whoever's selling it around the world, and uh, at the best price we can get, and we have a very complex refining system that could process those crudes. Uh, Five of our six refineries around the United States are extremely complex. Uh, Our refinery in Toledo, less complex, but it's uh, it's served by pipelines that deliver uh, very high quality crude to it. So uh, we're set up very well. We tend to be coastal in that our refineries are set up on the east gulf and west coast of the united states as well as toledo being right on uh the southwest corner of lake erie uh in ohio and so and 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 let's talk about i mean the the company employs you know literally thousands of workers talk about that and 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 the amount of um uh, workers and 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 families that 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 um depend on 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 pbf well you know we have a world-class workforce, uh, you know, from 
operators, mechanics, engineers, or administrative folks uh, that help keep this uh, company running. You know, we're a 24-7, 365 operation. And whether it's today or back in 2020 in, in the pandemic, uh, we're providing the products that make modern life possible, whether it's gasoline, diesel, jet fuel, asphalt, um, petrochemicals that are the building blocks for more than 6,000 products uh, that we use every day. So, you know, the, we have about uh, 3,600, maybe we're a little bit more than that now, uh, employees uh, around the country, mostly in our refineries that, uh, again, services. Sorry, Mike. <laughs> yeah, sorry. They, they, they provide us with, uh, with world-class services, uh, which, which takes a, a big effort, you know, from, you were just talking about hiring with Bill, uh, you know, recruiting and training and all that is uh, a major emphasis for us because there's an expectation from the public and government that we're going to operate safely, reliably, and environmentally responsibly uh, so that we can earn the right to operate in the communities that host us. And our employees are the foundation for that, quite frankly. So having said that, how many people, you mentioned 6,000 products we use every day. Sure. And one of the things we talk about educating the public, um, that, that, just throw out a few that people might not realize that we use every day that if they, you know, we, we you know, obviously you get all kinds of extreme situations. Everybody wants to just push a switch and shut everything down. The clothes on our backs, okay? Uh, literally, the petrochemicals. Talk about some of them products, Mike, because people don't realize it. Right. Well, it's true. But, you know, the U.S. Department of Energy has a great website that lists the 6,000. There's more than 6,000 products. They happen to list 6,000. And it goes from adhesives to yarn, A to Y, um, you know, the, the, their list. But almost everything we, t well, one way or the other, everything we touch every day uh, is either made from or transported by something using uh, our fuels. Um, you know, they're ubiquitous. When when you hear this, the rhetoric, like we just heard uh, out of COP28, the, the UN meeting uh, that is just wrapping up about ending, you know, the uh, ending use of fossil fuels, they're fundamental to our modern way of life, uh, you know, George Bush, President George Bush the first, he said that uh, the American lifestyle is non-negotiable. Uh, all of a sudden, we hear people negotiating our lifestyle, uh, forgetting that when you wake up in the morning, the soap that you use, the shaving cream, the deodorant—I uh, mean, it just goes hairspray. It just goes on and on and on. The products that we use, starting the day and going through the day. Not to mention renewables. The turbines need oil to cool them down. It, it it's limitless. By the way, what was what website was that? Just in case people want to be educated. Sure, the U.S. Department of Energy uh, hosts a webpage that lists these six thousand products um, and and extols the virtues of petroleum and natural gas, uh, you know, manufacturing. Really so, fundamental to our way of life. So so having said that, Mike, let's. You know, you know, last Thursday, and this is kind of an example of, of um, you know, some of the rhetoric. Um, but it's, you know, it's not just rhetoric, man. I mean, people are, you know, I mean, this is becoming a reality, this extreme ideology in regards to shutting down our traditional energy resources. Uh, last Thursday, Stellantis, the European parent of, of, of Chrysler, Dodge, Jeep, and Ram unexpectedly announced the layoffs at its Toledo, Ohio uh, manufacturing plant. It's tied directly to the California decision to begin banning light trucks and cars um, with the internal combustion engines starting as soon as 2027. What do we know about this? Well, J-Doc, it's a sad day when a company that was expecting to hire employees decides to fire them. And that's what happened at Stellantis. If you look into it, um, you know, they're looking at laying off 1,225 hardworking Americans, uh, you know, who have a path to the, to a middle class 
lifestyle through those jobs, making Jeep Wranglers and Gladiators that are so popular around the country. And, uh, you know, the UAW obviously just had a strike and uh, that was one of the plants that was affected. But th this is unrelated to that. Stellantis has specifically said that their decision is tied into California's uh, you know, initiative to start banning you know, like regular cars and tr light trucks uh, that use internal combustion engines, or they're called the ICE vehicles for short. So uh, California is looking to start, start that ban uh, with a partial ban starting with the 2027 model year, uh, which comes out in 26 usually. And uh, so what Stellantis did was look at their production and they decided that they're going to have to cut production even now. So, the, you know, the layoffs are slated for the first quarter of, of 24. Uh, and and it, it, is, it is a sad day for those folks. You know, we have our refinery there. And when you go back to economic development, plants like whether it's that manufacturing plant or the uh, the Libby glass plant or our plant, uh, these are the these are foundations for the you know all over the country, but particularly in the Midwest, as they as cities like Toledo recover from the flight of those facilities and jobs to other countries. Now let me let me um, jump. Yeah, there's so much in that discussion. The EPA, the new EPA standard, okay, that just got shot down by the Cars Act, okay. What's interesting, I believe 17 states are part of this um, California rule, okay, you know, the environmental rule uh, that, that is, when you talk about, you know, that's bringing in the EV mandates across the country, okay, and in a sense, it's, it's, it's um, listen, we all say it, we're totally for electric vehicles, electric vehicle mandates, the issues with them are countless, okay, um, the, the EV, okay, so, the new EPA standard, which is our own government agency, would 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 not only take it would take it from 17 states, okay, to the entire country, okay. Fortunately, and on you know you know the the bill got voted down in the House, but the fact of the matter is is that this this landslide is is has gained a, a ton of momentum, and now so many people have lost their jobs. But when you look at it, Mike, and I, you know, we've talked about this till we're blown in the face and we're going to talk about it more because so our job is to educate the public okay first of all it takes the, you know takes the choice you take the internal combustion engine out of the market it takes the choice out of the public's hands we don't have the projected infrastructure in regards to the, 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 the ev charging point uh, ports okay you know right now uh, you know, we talk about the power grid what a threat to the power grid okay not to mention, we're giving up what what we have left in our auto industry uh, to China, who owns the entire supply chain of electric vehicles. Okay, we could go on and on. Not to mention, you know, you're getting, you know, uh, in the, you know, the, I, I think I forget what organization, the African American and and Hispanic uh, Chambers of Commerce. I think it was those talking about if these if the, if the cars, electric vehicle, uh, electric vehicles. Are luxury cars okay it takes it takes them out of it it makes driving those organizations uh you know are, are writing letters to say that it's going to make driving a luxury we can go on forever okay uh it, it's just it's, it's like being in the twilight zone mike well you know jay doc i was fortunate enough to serve on a zoning board of adjustment uh, in, in our hometown in new jersey um a number of years ago, but when when we had when people would come before us with uh, you know a proposal to build or you know make a change to their property, whatever it was, you know they would have to do a feasibility study if it was a major project. All these all these aspirational goals that are you know espoused in these movements that that we're seeing like ban uh, the ICE vehicles by 2035, all sales of them in 17 states. None of those states have done a feasibility study. All they've done is a believability study, which means they believe that this can happen. Uh, it, it would, the, the logistics of it, and you touched on many of the points, are, uh, are unachievable. 
And and that, and that's starting to be shown as you know, sort of like the Wizard of Oz, uh, you know, behind the veil. That as as people look more and more into this, it, it, the impossibility of it becomes more apparent. And in fact, you're, you know, a lot of the, a lot of the EV infrastructure is already falling apart. Like the Lordstown plant in Ohio, which was a former GM plant that they're going to make uh, electric trucks. You know that they went bankrupt. Um, you know a number of the EV manufacturers have already gone bankrupt. Uh, and also, I, I just saw yesterday uh, some statistics on California. In uh, I believe it was September, October, and November of, of this year, there was more gasoline sold in the state of California than ever before. So when the governor touts EV penetration, most people are using their EVs. It seems. Uh, for short hauls around town because of range anxiety and, and other issues, including charging. Uh, that's why Hertz made a big deal about getting 100,000 EVs, but they've, they're already down around the price of a, a subcompact to rent them because people don't want them. Mike, so, Mike before we go, believe it or not, we're mowing through this. We only have a couple minutes left. Sure. Okay. Um, we've talked about... Um, and we're going to get to energy insecurity and poverty. Um, we're going to save that conversation for the, another sec. But I want you to, because we only got a couple minutes, and I mean literally a couple. You you mentioned industrial nodes, okay? I don't know. I mean, and 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 the concept, um, very interesting. I don't know if you can touch on that in in, in just a couple minutes, but um, if it's possible, you know, a little forecast because we're going to be continuing this con this conversation. On another broadcast shortly. Um, can you touch on that real quick? Sure, Jay Doc. You know, it's really important planning uh, an economic development tool. Uh, this concept of industrial nodes, it's essentially, and I would use Bayway, uh, where I spent 38 years in New Jersey. There are five industrial plants located at that site. It's on the New Jersey Turnpike, which is Interstate 95. Um, all the infrastructure is there to support those facilities and they and 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 those are uh the bayway refinery uh which is owned now by Phillips 66 there's a, a joint venture between ExxonMobil and shell that makes everything from uh lubricant and and fuel additives to chewing gum base um, there's a a dupont plant that processes sulfuric acid which is used it's a fundamental process uh enhancer uh, for industry. And then there's a cogen plant that uh, supplies New York City with 10% of electricity and the whole Bayway industrial complex with power. And then there's uh, a lubricants packaging plant. So the idea there is that you get compatible uses in a, a community that's willing to host that and benefit from that uh, bec because, you know, between jobs, taxes, uh, you know, there's the services that are required, the products, the materials that, that uh, are, you know, essentially supplied by vendors in the region uh, is, is a major economic boost. So the idea is to find these locations and then develop laws that promote them in communities that are willing to host them. And, and there are all over the country uh, because there are many benefits to that, uh, you know, despite the rhetoric there's, uh, again, these these facilities provide the products that make modern life possible. The Americans, America's way of life is dependent on these fuels, these products that are made from oil and natural gas. And, and, Mike, and Mike, you know what's interesting and as we as we roll out, um, you know, these you know, we're willing to shut ourselves down and then import the same products. OK, it's just. It's staggering because you uh, this comprises our way of life. Mike Karlovic, uh, Vice President of Corporate Communications, PBF Energy. Absolutely awesome segment, my friend. Thank, thank you. Thank you and PBF Energy as we go into the new year uh, for, for your impact on what we're doing here, educating the public on common sense and energy. And, of course, thanks for being on the broadcast, my friend. Well, I'm Jay Doc. Uh, Merry Christmas, happy holidays, and all the best to you and your staff. Thank you. Right back at you. We'll have more from the Labor and Energy Show with Jay Doc and Krause. 
in just a minute. The Eastern Atlantic States Regional Council of Carpenters is proud to present skilled union workers, including the workers that build and maintain our energy infrastructure. The safest, best trained, and most productive carpenters in the country are on the job. Whether it's energy from nuclear, wind, coal, natural gas, or offshore wind, the EAS carpenters are ready to provide the construction need of an energy industry our families depend on. If you're interested in a job in construction, visit EAScarpenters.org or follow us on social at EAS Carpenters. PBF Energy wants you to know hidden RIN costs are adding almost 30 cents to every gallon at the pump and pushing independent American refineries to the brink. It doesn't have to be this way. President Biden can lower gas prices and protect thousands of union refinery jobs by fixing the renewable fuel standard. And he should. Visit fuelingusjobs.com slash take action to urge President Biden to stop the RIN sanity and fix the renewable fuel standard today. Can you afford a brand new electric car or a charging station for your home? Want to spend your days waiting in line at a public charging station? Well, buckle up. Delaware and New Jersey are planning to ban the sale of gas-powered cars by 2035. Most drivers can't afford it, don't need it, and don't want it. Tell Governor Carney and Governor Murphy to stop the EV mandate and let drivers decide. Portions of tonight's Labor and Energy Special are presented by PBF Energy and supported by members of the labor union community, a collaborative to educate the public and change the narrative. That's going to do it for this edition of the Labor and Energy Show. As promised in our open today, J-Doc, by you. Really good information from both of our guests today. And I take a moment before I give you last word to remind all of our listeners and viewers here across the Jacob Media Network that you can download our very active podcast of this show, the Labor and Energy Show. Just go to Apple and Spotify, Apple or Spotify, uh, and search the Labor and Energy Show. J-Doc, I'll give you last word. We have about 35 seconds. You know, just an awesome show. I want to thank Bill Sprawl and Mike Karlovich for being on the program. Just amazing information as part of our uh, end of the year uh, series. Um, and and I, I, you mentioned it, and you always mention it, John, we both do, about educating the public uh, you know, on our traditional energy um, you know, industry and our labor community. And I think they got their money's worth today. So uh, proud to be a part of the broadcast. And uh, just want to want to thank everybody for being a part of it. Good stuff. That's going to do it for this edition of the Labor and Energy Show with J-Doc and Krause. On behalf of all of our listeners and our viewers across the Jacob Media Network, we thank you for tuning in every week. See you next time, everybody. Thanks for listening to tonight's Labor and Energy Special. You can help. Call your congressperson and join the movement to push back on RINs. This program is paid for by Advocacy United. All opinions or statements expressed on this program are solely those of Advocacy United or its guests and do not reflect the views of WPHD or Odyssey. Today's program is pre-recorded.